0: We teach what we had to learn, and Grace Teo is an inspiring example of that. Grace was a data analyst in the nine-to-five corporate world, but she left that behind and now runs a successful Power BI training and career coaching business. Grace is a former member of her Power BI consultant program, so I really enjoyed catching up with her and talking about how she enables her students to think for themselves by blending training and coaching principles and what she values in her new life of freedom. This is part two of her series, Journey of a Power BI Pro. To learn more about creating your own path to freedom, please visit learnpowerbi.com backslash pro. Link is also in the show notes, and you will also find the link to connect with Grace Steele. Enjoy and power on. Welcome to the Power On Show, where we talk Power BI and beyond, sometimes, Way beyond. But our goal is always to help you create a successful Power BI career and a life of freedom. I'm your host, Avi Singh. I, I can't think of a better person to start this uh, adventure. So, uh, well, folks, welcome to this. And uh, I'm super excited to be talking to Grace. And we're going to cover it roughly in three parts. You've probably heard me talk about this, our kind of philosophy around the way we approach life really is do what you love, make an impact, and create a life of freedom. Uh, So Grace, let's uh, kind of dive in there. Tell me,
1: what do you do? What do I do? Uh, Well, I now train people to get insights fast reliably and flexibly from their dashboards, right? Mm -hmm. So the people I work with generally are analysts or managers who have to do reporting all the time and they're just like floundering in that whole Excel mess that's been going on. Uh, So really... How do you get someone to just focus more on analyzing the data on the insights part rather than just struggling to work with it all the time so that's really mm-hmm. the key group of people i focus on people who are just in excel every day with tons of vlookups over 37 columns and like pivot tables all over the place right so how do you get them um, away from all that just a lot of data cleaning and just all that tedious complex kind of work but focus them on the higher value things that really matter in terms mm-hmm. of the, the insights coming from their data yeah
0: Okay. So I have to ask you something. Was that you? <laughs> I mean, are you describing yourself? Was that you at some point?
1: Yeah. I mean, that was life back then, like about, I don't know, about 10, 10 years back. So I was mm. a business analyst as well. Right. Um, and back then we were managing like about 2 billion worth of like revenues uh, in Singapore wow. dollars. Right. And we, we were just like a team of like five people and everyone was just looking to us for like numbers and like all of that anything to do with like pricing you know to do with revenues from all the various streams and just like excel day in and day out um and it's kind of painful right because what happens is then somebody does something they have we are using the same set of data but Mm -hmm. we are all generating different cuts of it right and we're doing so much duplicate work and what happens is when you go all the way up someone's like hey you told me that revenue was like i don't know Fifteen dollars, something, something, and then you tell me it's like fifteen dollars and seventy cents. Like, why is there like a ten cent difference? Right? You're like, oh my god, right? So all those kind of stuff, you just yeah. Uh,
0: You know what? That that's very precise. I would have kind of welcomed that kind of feedback. The kind that I was getting used to is that oh, that 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 doesn't look right. I'm like, what? (laughs) Oh man, and yeah. All right, all right. So, so that's, that's great. Um, I love that. And i of course I do that in a way myself, like we're trying to, you know, kind of, uh, teach what we had to learn. Right. But, uh, so I know you do in-person training and I think that's where you started, but I have heard a lot about you from your online training and the bits and pieces that I've heard really blow me away as, as I, as I have seen, it is unlike any other online training? So, for one, this is live training; and it's yeah. not recorded. Tell me a bit about your online class, and and tell yeah why why what makes it unique? It, it's very different. Tell me a bit more about how you run that online class. Um, uh, yeah. Mm,
1: mm. Right. So I think um, online training or to have live online training for like full two days, like pre-pandemic, that's like crazy. Like nobody would do that. Why would I sit in front of a computer for like full two days, right? So of course the pandemic had a big part to play in it because we couldn't have offline face-to-face trainings for a long time. Um, so then, you know, it definitely was the, the, the kick you know, the pivot to then do an offer online trainings. But I think the challenge that a lot of us have experienced, right, is like even just like a one-hour meeting on Zoom, that's like so energy sapping and people are distracted and they're moving all over the place. Um, and if you've had any online learning, live learning done before, you, you might be joining, I don't know, a group of 20 or 100 people and you're just wow. left kind of, you know, figuring out where's, where, is, where you're supposed to click, what's going on. And once you're lost, you're pretty exactly. much lost. That's it's, what I was saying. That's yeah. hard
0: enough in a live in-person <laughs> class and online if you're lost,
1: you might it's, as well quit. Yeah, it's yeah, pretty much game over, right? Because there are the the kind of non, non-technical non trainings. So yeah. kind of you could still latch back if there's something you could like catch back in. as a topic you move on, you could, 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 you could follow, right? Mm. But for the technical pieces, you know in Power BI, it's layered, right? It, it just builds and builds and builds. So I think that was one of the key Considerations when we redesign our trainings for live virtual trainings was how can we create this environment where everyone feels that they can and have that confidence to be engaged, to understand, and also to follow on every single piece of the way, right? So we're like, okay, if we have that, what's really missing? And what we realize is that there's a lot of that. There's not enough feedback. So feedback is coming mm-hmm. to actually yes.
0: can I can, can I just interject for a second? I mean, if yeah. I would have heard this some time ago before I met you, I would have said that's crazy. That's a pipe dream. It's never going to happen. Mm-hmm. But now I know it's possible. So so yeah, tell us so so feedback is a key piece. Tell me more about that.
1: Yeah, so feedback is a key piece, right? When when you when like for, as you are learning and you make mistakes, you need to know mm-hmm. that where you've gone wrong or where you're lost at, right? So what happens is then in a lot of online trainings if you're using Zoom or the like large platforms you can't give that feedback to the trainer. The trainer only can download in one direction. You could, yeah. you could type in a chat box or you could, I'm sorry, we have a problem. Can I share my screen yeah. with you? And then the whole group as, of like 20 people Yeah, wait but as a,
0: as a trainer, I mean, that's almost impossible for me to handle in, in a live class, right? I mean, somebody raises a hand, God, I, I mean, to help them, I have to disrupt the whole session. It, yeah, yeah. It's, it's challenging. So fee- mm-hmm. feedback... Tell me more about that, like, have you changed the way you're getting feedback or have you changed the way you're responding to it?
1: Now, I think that there's two things. One is a technology-enabled solution. The other one would be how you use the challenge or the problem that the person faces in so that to further the learning of the group, right? So I'll, I'll handle in two parts, right? First mm. it's a technology piece. And that's when I had a discussion with my brother about all these headaches of trying to do online classes. And he was like, have you considered virtual machines? Right, so for now, all my classes, be it face-to-face or virtual ones, everyone logs into a virtual machines for all their hands-on exercises. And you
0: set them up, right? You set them up, they're ready to go, they're pre-configured. Exactly,
1: they just log in with the credentials that we give them, and then they will have the same exact. So you don't even have a difference in the versions of whichever Excel or Power BI people are using, so you have a little bit more control in that sense. But what happens Mm -hmm. is that I have a whole screen here eight screens at one go and you can see everybody's where wow. they are. So at any point in time, you don't have to keep asking like, where are you guys? Are you done? You know, are you already? Yeah. You, know, you just see and where you can see so, people. So wait, you it said
0: it, eight yeah. screens. Is that what you cap it at? Is the class cap at eight, yeah. eight people? Yeah, for yeah. So
1: online virtual trainings, we cap it at eight, right? Because then yeah. you want yeah. to have the ability to look at where everyone is. But also yeah. that size is a great size for people to interact, to contribute. So if you have a huge group, people will be, oh my God, Going to hold the whole class back, right? But if you have a small group enough, it's more like a chat, it's a two way conversation that then encourages people to be curious or to contribute, you know, to not be so like shy about things.
0: Yeah, Yeah, so So,
1: that's both ways.
0: Yeah, that's brilliant. But let me just say one thing. Um, Sometimes companies approach me and we're talking about classes, and I try to ask them, like, what kind of class do you want? Like, what's the end result you want, right? Sometimes Mm. they just want like an overview, you know? It's like, yeah, we just want people to kind of get to know a little bit of Power BI and so on and so forth, right? And that's great, right? Hmm. What you're talking about is different. What you're talking about is you want to deliver a class where they walk away with those skills and with the confidence of, to use those skills. Now that's, that's a high yeah. bar, right? And that's why I guess the virtual machine, the environment, the, the small class size, uh that sounds amazing is there any other element which you feel differentiates or makes it special or, or which you have had to add or introduce as you uh develop now i'm sure this must have like took a few iterations right for a few trial and error right so mm-hmm. so tell me if there are other elements which you have introduced or added to the system
1: yeah, so one of the biggest would then be the second point um, in how then we, we create this live training environment, right? It's then on the delivery and the engagement aspect, right? So we talk about how, you know, someone makes a mistake and usually in live classes, you run up to them, we help them out mm-hmm. and then we, okay, let's move on with the whole group, right? So there's like a pause when it happens. So what happens is on for our trainings now live as well as uh, the, the offline and the online ones, we actually invite that person. Would you be all right if we can share this with the class? Oh, wow. Let the Love class that. work together with you, right? Yeah. So then it happens so that there is a real so error that
0: help, They can right? see that person's screen exactly. and now they're together rather than everybody else is waiting.
1: Exactly. Oh, that's brilliant. That's yeah. just so brilliant. You, so you invite everyone to troubleshoot yeah. together. So everyone tries to contribute, right? And then that's where for the facilitator, it's then to kind of coach the group. You know, so so then it's the first time they are looking at it and you're like, you know, guys, it's not about the formulas. It's about your thought process, right? So that brings me to the whole big point about our, the way we design our trainings, the way we deliver them. It's always about coaching people. It's not telling them you click here, you click that, you do this, you do that, you type that, and ah, there you get it. No, it's, we always start every example with like, okay, guys, this is the start point. Tell me where's the end point you want to go. Okay, once you're able to do that, can you conceptually break it down for me? Don't tell me the formulas. Don't tell me the buttons. Just tell me if you could wave a wand. How would you like it to look like each of the, each step of the way? Then and only then, we say, okay, you know what? I'm your Google right now. I'm going to tell you exactly how to execute your steps. But you came yeah. out with it yourselves. Yeah.
0: Well, man, that's blowing my mind right now. Because I think a lot of us think of technical training as that how-to steps. Right. Oh yeah. To to create a chart, and you click here, do that. To to do this. Right. So we think of it as a series of steps. But you use the word coaching. Right? I would. Yeah. Yeah. So, um. Wow. That that's really unique. So um, what I was thinking was that this setup that you have with virtual machine, and if somebody asks a question, instead of having to go to them, you invite them to the class. I mean, this exact same setup could work and could work really well even for in person classes. Yeah. Have you had a chance to use this setup in an in
1: person class? Yeah, exactly. Right. So in in the past, when I started face to face, I didn't have virtual machines. And and we did that. Mm -hmm. I run to you, I help you and then we move on in class. Right. So now that, you know, it's kind of post pandemic and we are having a blend of some of the face to face and the virtual classes, I've tried that out and it's really great, too, because then it provides people more opportunities to learn to troubleshoot. It's so easy to follow a class and click everything. Right. But the moment you hit a wall, you're like, oh, my God, where do I even begin? So then Man. all those opportunities, you know, present itself for then the class to have real like, okay, you know, how do, wh- where, are we, where are we now? Where are we stuck? What's going on? How do I trace that? So then yeah. that becomes a very important part in their learning, which is a yeah. troubleshooting aspect of it.
0: Oh, love that! So I think there are, there are a few lessons here, and I'm just gonna say it because I think I want to hold on to them. So one, you're talking about that, yeah. I mean, don't 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 focus on the steps. Don't get like dive into the formulas. Just trying to understand it conceptually, and you guide them there. And I think that uh, applies to everybody, no matter uh, whether you're learning from you or somebody else, right? So yes, yeah, so, and and the other part um, which I'm thinking is that um, uh, this uh, this kind of involvement, right, where yeah, let's figure out and let's do it together. Uh, that's that's great. So let's um, uh, switch gears a bit. Tell me about. So actually, um, I wanted to ask you about the, the coaching that you do um, yeah. outside of this. I know you're co- still coaching people here in these classes. So uh, the classes that you typically offer, they are Power BI, and I think you have a set of three classes, right? So the first class focuses on the Power Query, yeah. and then DAX or modeling, and then visualization. Is that how it's structured? Yeah, and that's right. Each one is typically a two-day class.
1: Yes, that's right. Two full days.
0: And and But how do you run it or how do you recommend people go through this class? Like they take the first class and then kind of sit with it for a while and then come back or do it the next week and the next week. What, what would you recommend or what do you typically see?
1: Well, it, I think it really depends. I would say that if you are hardcore like, Analysts and you just excel day in and day out. You should just do all three. And it doesn't matter which which way you do it. Uh, People have a preference in a chronological way, right? Cleaner data, power query, model everything, and then you layer in the visualizations. Mm -hmm. Um, That would be, I guess, a lot of people's ideal. But what happens is sometimes you can't quite catch the dates, so people could just do it out of order as well. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, because the way we design the the trainings is such that you don't have to already have done the previous courses to be able to do the next one. We kind of like modularize it. So it's yeah. really clear, right? You could, let's say, I know it would be awesome if you could do Power Query before you did Data Modeling and Dex. Yeah. But you could just come in for Data Modeling and Dex class and that yeah. itself could already help you a lot in your analysis. The downside, of course, is then you have to manually clean your data to get it in tabular form before you put it in. But, you know, you have already done that for like the last five or seven years or something like yeah. that, right? So yeah. what's you could just hang on just a little bit more, maybe for like a month or two before you catch the next yeah. Power Query class. Um, so, it, so so I think in terms of the order with which you do it, it's all right. But mm-hmm. some people do say, do I really need to do all three? And mm. interestingly enough, it was through you know working with my clients, with with my customers, and with my students that I realized actually there is a different need for different for, for different groups of people. Right. So all the right. hardcore people, sure, you should just do everything. And if you don't have mm. the budget or the time, do just the first two first. The query. Really? as well as a data modeling, because those take so much like 80 to 90% of the time when it shouldn't be the case because the, wait, the story yeah. is at the end, right? Yeah, yeah, but what
0: I would say is it, it would depend on the audience, right? Because sometimes when I taught my classes, sometimes I would yeah. flip the format. I would start yeah. with the visualization yeah, because uh, that applied to the most number of people. So I would have that set of class, and then I'll move to actually Power Query. So in my mind, you know, visualization kind of applied to the whole bunch of people. A lot of people are interested in creating reports, consuming reports, that sort of stuff, right? So I would start yeah. with that, then go with Power Query, which applies to a smaller yeah. set. And I think it was always an even smaller set who wanted to mess with Dax and modeling. Right. So, <laughs> so my class would get smaller and smaller and I loved it. Yeah. Right? I mean, you know, <laughs> it would get more intimate and then we would just be having a party at that time. Right? I mean, four Dax geeks, you know, just hanging out. <laughs> um, so, so yeah. So, I would have expected me. you to say that. Is is that because your audience is different? Tell me, tell me about that. Yeah, I'm yeah surprised. I think
1: I think the audience is slightly different. Um, so for for the audience that you describe, or the the way you know the the interest and the group how it those down, I think that can apply really nicely um, to the analyst type of people, right? But mm. the interesting thing is then, um, or at least in in my side of the world, the people that I've been working with, right, I find the largest group of people, and the cause that has been the most popular. It's the very first one on Power Query. Yeah. Like there are a lot more people is, who have to it consolidate and yeah. data yeah. than to do reporting. So are yeah, people but, who just did only Power Query and then that's it, and and well, you know, cool, their but, life is like awesome. But
0: I, I would I would expect visualization to be number two. It has to be right, not not the DAX and modeling. Just just curious, is it number two <laughs> or no?
1: Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, that's a that's a good question. Um, so I think the way we kind of look at it, uh, would be how do I put that? I think that the thinking that we have here is that if I'm serving a lot of analysts, right, what you want them to really problem solve is to just pull themselves out from all the resetting of the data or to like shifting the model when the financial year changes or to just having to extend that formula range when it's applying that same formula over and over again because it's it's spending so much time there they are Mm -hmm. missing out the time that they need to actually craft the story to play around the visuals each time they need to present a little bit differently so what happens is then over here the thinking is can we get those big blocks automated first? Can we clean those things up? So that whenever they are thrown a question, they are able to just slice and dice, or they're able to just pull in the different like measures Mm -hmm. and attributes to get that report, right? So a lot of people then push for the first two. And then sometimes, you know, maybe a year later, they come again for the visualization because they realize, hey, I kind of can use the grass, but I'm not sure if I'm really presenting the story in a best way. So then when it lands with them, the the course helps them kind of review and reflect on the way they've been trying to tell stories with their data, and then it gives them a different sort of language to understand what the charts are really for and what the interactive pieces can actually help them with. So it's kind of you have a case study already, a use case, and then you come for the class and you review what you've been doing and then you kind of reiterate on that. Yeah, so kind of, I I don't know, maybe it's the way with maybe communicated about users.
0: Audience is... Uh, it's slightly unique. I mean, it's, it's more kind of data analysts and so forth. And, and, and I think that totally makes sense. I'm thinking, and of course, I, I when I walk into organizations, they have this wide spectrum, right? They have the typical users like, oh, I'm just going to kind of use this report, maybe create a few reports. And then mm-hmm. fewer people who are kind of de- going to be designing models and stuff. But, um, uh, uh, but yeah, that makes sense from kind of a data analyst role. So one thing I'm curious about is that there's a line that I use when I'm working with my customers is that when I'm training, I'm consulting, when I'm consulting, I'm training. And what I mean by that is when I'm training, we often have students using their own data sets and we're working with kind of their examples. And that is kind of consulting. I sometimes solve, uh, their business problems or, or we build something that actually ends up being a usable report. Like a month later, I was, oh yeah, the report we built in the class, it's still working and everybody loves it. Right. Uh, and of course the flip side, when I'm consulting, I don't know, I feel I somehow comes, I can't help it at this point where, um, I, again, I'm like, I'm doing a knowledge transfer, right? I just, so I I walk them through something, something that I did. So, and, and at some points I would have them kind of almost looking over my shoulder or Mm -hmm. I would be looking over their shoulder sometimes. So, uh, I wonder, have you, have you had that? I know sometimes yeah, does does that blend a bit for you? So does training sometimes turn into consulting or vice versa?
1: Mm, mm. I mean, in terms of, let's say, uh projects, right? That does happen. Like we start with training and then people want, you know, ask to mm. go in for like consulting. And sometimes we do consulting, and people want to come in for training as well. But the interesting observation I have, it's it doesn't happen very often. Really? It's really strange. Right. Yeah. So so yeah. that my, at least my hypothesis, right? Um the people who do our trainings uh, so far, I think we've only had one or two groups who then said, let's get you on for consulting because then they mm. want to shorten the, the the time to create the full full thing. Um, so that's one, right. But most people know they're really happy with what they have from the training and they're able to implement yeah. most of it back there. Right. So that's for right. us, our trainings, um, we don't do customized trainings because the idea here is that we want to focus you on the basic principles because yeah you can't cover all possible scenarios in a training, right? So what I want to do is first principles. If you understand exactly. it right, you're able to apply to many, many parts of it. But Makes sense. to kind of still help people reach that gap, after our training sessions, there's always a complimentary 60-minute personalized coaching session one-on-one. Right. Wow. So the idea is you, you, you learn That's what you need. That's with every you student,
0: apply. a one-on-one 60-minute.
1: One, every student so long as you register for it uh so long as you register for training you have that complimentary make use of that right so you learn you go back you apply you hit the walls you ask people you ask google you ask chat or whoever right and then you if you're you're still stuck you bring those questions in and again we will coach you through it right so again it's not like a consulting where they bring it and we solve it for them but we kind of work together you know to coach them to kind of see where it is so uh, again it's always a concept a lot of times we realize people stuck thinking about the concepts so once we kind of coach them through so a lot of people can move forward but where they're still stuck it might be a really a technical um gap in that sense then sometimes um if i know the answer we, we will share it but if we don't know then we will google together and we'll figure out something i love that and spirit we'll work it out yeah. as well yeah
0: that's how we blend yeah. yeah i i love hearing that and 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 I think hearing that maybe early in my journey would have helped because, yeah, I mean, initially when I was starting this, I felt like you have to be an expert. You have to look an expert. There can't be any chink in your armory. And it doesn't have to be like that. You can grow with your clients. You can grow with your customers. You can learn with them. And I sometimes even think that that's more effective right. because some, sometimes I'm kind of struggling through that. And sometimes I'm I'm not even able to solve it in the call and say, apologies, I'll have to look at it later and say, oh, I, mean, I learned so much just by looking at you yeah. <laughs> of you know, trying to, yeah. try to figure it out. Yeah,
1: there, there, was, um, um, there was a client I had a couple of months back and, and exactly this thing happened, right? We only had an hour. We couldn't quite get to the solution. But by just having to work together and thinking through, it's really that thinking piece um, that they really get that real-time Coaching on it, and they see me struggle. We struggle together, and then, but we it kind of. By the time we finish that sixty minutes, we still do get somewhere in terms of some clarity, and mm. with that, over the weekend, she was able to solve it, and she excitedly like emailed me. It's like, hey, you know, we've got that, yeah. right? So it's it's kind of how do you how do you teach someone to fish rather than ah, giving I it to it. them?
0: Right? Oh man, <laughs> I love it, love it, love it. So um, uh, that's a great segue to to kind of the next part. So we talked about kind of what you do, and you touched on a little bit. We already heard a little bit about the impact you make, the people you work with. Now I'm, I'm curious, what if you started with like one person? So sometimes I would teach a class and um, usually I would say, in a, in a so typically this would be in person, uh, you know, room of 20 people, there would be at least one who was like the star student or my favorite student. I mean, they were engaged, they were asking questions, they were pulling me aside in breaks and that sort of stuff. And I really love the energy. And and yeah, that certainly helped me as a trainer. If I would have that person in the group, I would do so much better. And if I didn't, then sometimes I would struggle. But um, does somebody come to mind, this this one person? Like, yeah, it was, I don't know, it was like really good for you to be teaching them.
1: Mm. There There are. I mean, the people who are highly engaged and they ask questions and all, right?
0: Yeah, yeah, but there's a, somebody in particular <laughs> that comes to mind uh, for you.
1: Uh, or, yeah,
0: I remember this one uh, class where there was this, yeah, something like that. Yeah, a story like that.
1: A, a couple, I mean, every class we have set it up such that we encourage questions from everyone. And somehow, mm-hmm. at most classes will always have that one, two or three people uh, nice. who, who jump to the forefront, right? But yeah. what happens is that we, to make sure that you know we get the most learning value out of it, the way we then we facilitate is to have everyone feel at ease to be able to ask those questions as well. So if if yeah. if I did my job right, okay, at yeah. the end of the two days, everyone will have spoken at least a few yeah. times in class, right? But if you're talking about those top like really difficult questions coming in, really racing ahead to really think of how they're going to apply to their own work, there are quite a, a few people. There are mm-hmm. a few people that that comes to mind. Yeah, why yeah. do you ask?
0: Um, well, I just want to learn more about the people you've, um, you have touched and yeah, you know, so, uh, tell me a bit more. So tell me about, so I know there's a 60 minute check-in, but do you hear from them? Otherwise do they sometimes email you saying, oh, we did this. Um, yeah, maybe share, share some of that stories. Maybe, uh, yeah. Tell us about some of the companies you work with. Yeah. Tell me, I would love to learn, hear more about that.
1: Mm, mm. yeah so there are people um who after the 60 minutes right and then they uh, continue to left on their own so that's where you hear back from people who finally figure it out and they'll email you very excitedly about it uh but yeah. a lot of times i don't know maybe it's my part of the world we are kind mm. of quiet or modest about <laughs> things <laughs> um so i only find out how they are doing when they register for the next class oh really so, of months later it could be a year down the road and I'm like you know how has life changed for you since you did that you know power query class or if you did mm-hmm. that uh dex class you know what has changed for you right so some people would shippishly kind of own up like yeah well i didn't quite do much of that um <laughs> and usually that when that happens it's probably because they are not like a very heavy user right? So whatever mm. they, they do, they don't really need it so much. But for them, it's still an eye-opener and it's something that primes them or prepares them for a uh, next possible role as well. Yeah. Right? But then there are others who then say, yeah, you know, I built out this whole dashboard for my yeah. group and, you know, now I've really transferred to another team, but the other, the old mm-hmm. team's using it. So they'll tell you all of that. Uh, but usually it only happens uh, after, <laughs> you know, when I see them again or like for some of yeah. my clients, Bigger clients, um, when I've had to go down to their office um and then I run into people along the way and I'm like, hey, how's that going? Or if I meet with some of their, their bosses and we catch up over coffee, it's like, hey, you know, how's it going? You know, has yeah, anything yeah, yeah. to with you guys? Yeah.
0: Oh, that's incredible. That's incredible. So I, I I will say that folks, uh um you know, people do not seem to be shy about leaving five-star reviews for Light Dot Lab. So if you go to light.lab.com, there are tons and tons of reviews where they're saying really amazing things. So that's, that's great that, uh, um, you know, yeah, I mean, obviously, Grace, you're, you're hearing it from uh, them in some forums and some settings, but uh, yeah, they're kind of doing it online too, as well. Um, awesome. So let's, uh, let's switch gears a bit and maybe we'll come back to some of this stuff, but um, tell me a bit about, so you were in a 95 role, you said you were a data analyst and you are kind of trying to help that role now. Tell me, and I know it is like a big question, but tell me, uh, tell me about your current life and what does it mean for you? What value does it bring for you to be in, not being a conventional nine to five, you show up at work Monday, Friday, that kind of role. Yeah. Uh, obviously you've been doing it for a few years, so it has to be, uh, have uh, some relevance or value for you. What, what is that? Tell me about that.
1: So I think the biggest thing uh, that I'm really thankful for every day right now, right? Having made that transition, uh, th- there's this Chinese word that comes to mind, right? And, and I'll translate it, right? So the Chinese word that comes to mind is gan yun. Gan yun is like, I don't know, I think it you could use willing. Uh, I'm willing. I'm willing, right? And I I say that because one of the things I've noticed about myself um, all through, you know, even in school and then into corporate life is that I, I find myself frequently victimizing myself in that sense. Sort of like, yeah, I don't want to do this. I don't agree with that. Like, oh, this is a stupid policy thing. Like, why do we have to keep doing that? There are a lot mm-hmm. of things that I don't get to choose mm-hmm. um, and I just have to do it as part of my role. Yeah. Right? Um, and I have to show up because, you know, I have to go to office. I am expected to be there. You know, I have to turn that deck yeah. around because I need it on Monday. I'm burning my Saturday for it or something like that. I'm like doing my late nights, right? Um, I think there's a lot of, and I think with that, that builds a lot of resentment as well. It, and the resentment isn't quite directed at anyone per se, but at some point when I really investigated, it's directed back at myself. So I would say mm. a lot more angsty previously, right? And for now, I feel like that, isn't so much a big part anymore because now every day I wake up and whatever I do no matter how I feel about it I can still feel like oh man I don't really want to do this but I chose this right every single day every single hour how I spend it I chose it and there's no one else I can point my finger at right so then I think that really kind of how do I put that it it really takes off this huge burden that I didn't even know it's there um, mm. and it makes me a lot, I think there's a lot more peace in that right? because I chose it. It's, it's, it's coherent. It's aligned. It's authentic with my choices. Right. So for example, now like I could, you know, take like, uh, I don't know, like a month off. Right. And I could spend two weeks with my family in Taiwan traveling and then another two weeks on my own. And I could go for classes in terms mm. of my personal development, or I could do a coaching class. I could fund it myself, you know, because people might think that, you know, if you're doing an analyst role, why are you going for a coaching class? We're not going to sponsor you for a coaching class, right? Mm-hmm. But for me, it's like, you know what, I see this as how do I create more value is when I'm able to blend two very different aspects, right? Very technical training, very technical kind of uh, knowledge yeah. realm, but with a more people soft part, right? How do I put that together, to create something new and this freedom, you know, yeah. to kind of learn or to experiment I think all these things add to this whole thing of willingness right I'm willing wow. I want this not because someone said I should or I I, I yeah. have to right so I think that uh, is one of the biggest changes I felt right so then I make my choices um, as a business owner I, I bear all the responsibility if sales aren't coming in that's on me right if I'm having a customer issue that's on me Right. If I have a great class, great for me. If I have yeah. not so good a class, that's on me. But what happens is then, like there's just that whole thing pinned on willing. I'm willing, and I chose this. Yeah.
0: Man, that's that's beautiful. I'm gonna have to sleep on that a bit. Yeah. Just this idea of be willing. But what you said was where you talked about blending two different things. You talked about oh, what, you know, kind of coaching and bringing that in, and. Is that? Do you feel that is about being able to bring your whole self to work? I mean, I struggle with that with a bit, where it was almost like this work persona, like work hobby, and it had its boundaries, and I had to act a certain way and only do this and not do that and so forth. And then there was the, the personal one, which also had its set of rules, like oh, I couldn't do this here. And now I feel like that's kind of blended, and I can kind of bring my whole self. So, it, do you, do you feel it that way, or do you do you see it differently?
1: I never thought of it in that way, but as you described it, I think it's being authentic, right? So it's bring my authentic self. Um, I don't think I had, well, I, I um, yeah, I, I would agree that, you know, being in a corporate setting back then, there are some kind of invisible boundaries that you kind of know and, and you want to like kind of preserve in that sense. Um, mm. Maybe out of proper decorum or, or however it is, right? But I think really then running my own business, um, then it's really showing up and bringing the whole of self, as you said, but being authentic because then you know what I'm interested in and what I believe in that will help mm-hmm. people learn. I can bring that. I, I can make that decision to put that in, right? And then I let the data speak for itself, right? I look at how the people respond in class. I see the feedback that they give at the end of you know the surveys or even the Google reviews, and then that would then be good enough to know you know should I do something or not and that's different from having to clear many rounds of management or <laughs> having to work with the different departments uh, yeah. just to decide how we want to do something. You know, so I think, um, there's some merit or some benefit to just being a small outfit compared to being in a large organization, right? Cause then when you're a large organization, there's a lot more things you have to be careful about, not to say you should be flippant as a small team or a small uh, mm-hmm. business. Um, but I think the, the time to feedback, to try out the different things of what feels right, um, yeah. for me uh, in the best interest of the learning experience, we can, we can like do that. Right. Wow. So there's a lot less, um, I would say restrictions, um, mm-hmm. in then trying to be authentic or trying out things that I believe, um, can work. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
0: So that's incredible. So I want to, I want to pull on that thread. You mentioned coaching and you have been coaching people. And, uh, so of course we are kind of in a, a similar role there. So we have our group coaching program. We call it pro plus. And where we, um, you know, essentially coach people to kind of just leave the bonds and chains of nine to five behind, create a life of freedom. Uh, so is your, has your coaching been focused on that? So I know you have gone through that transition yourself. You left your nine to five. You, you've gone through this journey of being a, a solopreneur. Uh, so has your coaching developed around that or is it more general kind of career coaching? Tell me a bit about that.
1: Hmm. Mm. So right now, uh, I've I've only started my coaching journey about two years back, uh, and so I'm still trying to hone my niche in that sense. But the people mm. that I would love to work with are people who are going through going through transitions. So of course, the people love to work with for people like myself. Uh, mm-hmm. Taking the path less travel, it's very very daunting. It's really scary. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you'll be wondering, have I made the right decision? And how do I even go? Where do I even go from here? There's a lot more wayfinding that needs to be done um, early yeah. in the right? So that would be the group that I would love to work with. Previously, when I was still part of the ProPlus program with, with you as well, um, I, I played that role for some of our members as well. So I think that the, the problem comes where we think that someone else would tell us what's the right way. But mm. when we realize we're out there on our own as entrepreneurs, as business owners, we need to find the way that's right for us. Yeah. So coaching conversations help each person to uncover what is right for them and then they take that next step. Yeah, yeah. so so that would be the group I'd love to work with. I have some, uh, but there's also another group. There's a much bigger group, right? Because then more people are in employment uh, and hmm. then I've been working People in terms of uh, career transitions as well, somebody who has got retrenched, you know, or somebody's looking to yeah. make a different move altogether, or someone who's wondering, like, oh, I've got operations background, I've got marketing, but they're so different. What do I do with yeah. it? The coaching, you know, seven sessions later, she lands a job with a huge tech company that marries the two in a kind of startup thing over there, right? So yeah. it's, it's helping people to figure that out uh, that, I've, that I've been working with as well.
0: Yeah. I mean, I, I've heard, really heard some. Uh, sorry, say again.
1: Major transitions
0: yeah, yeah i've I've certainly heard some pretty cool success stories from you around coaching um, so um, uh, and and this is one on one coaching, right?
1: Yes, that's right.
0: And how long do they typically engage for? How does it typically work? Tell me a bit more about that.
1: Yeah, so usually uh, we would have this thing called a chemistry session. So a chemistry session uh, is is a complimentary session and the whole point is for the coach and the client to kind of get a sense of each other. It's like chemistry, right? Do you have chemistry with that person? Because if you don't have chemistry with that person for the next six sessions or seven, you're going to just suffer, right? You're just going to absolutely hate it, right? So you want to make sure you have that chemistry going. But in that (laughs) session, it's also for us to kind of um, align uh, Mm. both sides on what coaching is and what it isn't. A lot of people mm. um in this part of the world still think that coaching is about telling them what to do because they've been seeing all those sports coaches telling them you should swing mm. it that way, you should do it that way. Right. Um and that's a lot of misconception we've had to debunk in it, right? Yeah. Um so there's a lot of expectation setting, but also a flavor of how coaching is like. So we have a conversation, we explore what the person's looking at, and part yeah. of that them that experience and say, hey, you know, is this something you find useful? Um, you know, are, are we the right yeah. people to work with? Yeah, so beyond that, and if they say, yes, I would love to work with you, then yeah. usually the engagement of like about six to seven sessions over, you know, about six to seven probably every month or every two weeks, depending on the cadence. Um, yeah. And usually we work through a change that they need support and they want support in especially something that is beyond their comfort zone. Yeah, yeah. So then we work with them every week. It's a 45 minute to 60 minute conversation, you know, check-ins, where are you? What have you, what have you learned? And then we work on a part that keeps them stuck. So you get the energy and you go yeah, out there okay. again and you create the breakthroughs you need, you come back in again, and then we, we do that. And we keep that momentum and energy going.
0: So that that's great. Uh, I want to hear more from you about what coaching means. You touched on that. So I know somebody can expect that, oh, I mean, they're going to give me a list of things and homework and check on me. Or, yeah, do this on LinkedIn and then do this and then do that. And then you'll have a job. But it works differently than that. Is it? Is it very personalized? Is it very customized? Does it vary from customer to customer? Or, or is there... Um, uh, uh, again, a kind of a yeah. Tell us a bit about how does it work. If it's not, if you're not telling them, oh, do this, do this, do this. Uh, mm. What what is coaching? Then how would a session yeah. typically look like, or how would uh, things progress over those six or seven sessions?
1: Mm. Mm. Right. So what happens? Uh, one belief that you will have as a coach, right, is that everyone is the best expert in their own lives. They will mm. have the answers. right? So for us, what we are in charge of is the process for them to uncover the answers that they need for themselves. Because I I don't live your life, I don't know all the details, I don't have all the access to that information, right? Mm -hmm. And even if I had, it would take me too long to figure it out. So where I am is to facilitate a conversation for you to uncover what's important to you, why it works, why it doesn't work. So the conversation happens, and 90% of the time, of the airtime, goes to the client it goes to the coachy, right? 10% is then the coach's job to hold that space to provide Mm. the reflection, to provide the questions, you know, the points of inquiry, what's going to make the most impact for this person to watch what's actually and to observe and to sit with that person, to hold that space for them to really unravel. They have this whole knotted ball of yarn. And in that situation, you want to let them slowly, you know, piece, take it out, take it out, oh, that piece. And then at some point, sometimes they find that one, that just yeah. one thing and they pull it all out and then and yeah. it's like at that moment you know you have that um, yeah and like, yeah. oh you know and then like oh i now see it yeah, yeah because oh, that's, that's the true power because they came out with their solution themselves they own it fully and that's yeah. where you get the full power and the energy to say i'm convinced about that i have the conviction and i want to take that forward in my on my own on my own terms yeah yeah
0: that's, that's beautiful. So let's bring it back to training. So in, yeah. in, in some way it just may seem like, Oh, there's this coaching piece I do here on the side. And then there's a training, right? Separate words, but I doubt they are separate like that. Tell me how you, d- do you find yourself maybe consciously or subconsciously bringing in the elements of coaching to uh, the training, which seems very different, right? I mean, kind of technical, you're teaching the power BI, DAX visualization. <laughs> yeah. Do you bring those elements, to that? Do, do you see
1: Definitely, that? definitely. So previously, before I did the coaching program, I was doing it without knowing I was doing it. So it's kind of like, I kind of know, but I don't really know. But mm. once I did my coaching uh, program, as well as the certification, right, I'm now very clear on the mechanics of the way when we deliver the training, when we engage, how do we facilitate that? And if like, where do I want to land that person? How do I want them to come to their eureka moments? I'm more uh, I'm more aware now, right, of then the tools or the languaging or the questions um, to actually use to facilitate a process. So pretty much in, in training right now, it's I'm very aware right now I'm using a lot of coaching techniques than during the mm-hmm. training sessions itself. Because the whole point, as I said, it's not about telling you where to click, but having you come to the answers yourself first. Right. So then when that happens, you can see the class going like, oh <laughs> like now they've got it on their own. Right. Like oh, so I think it, it lends a lot more powerfully with them. Um and, and the learning sit a lot deeper with them. Right. Yeah. So you, you kind of want to build that confidence in class already, that they can come up with the concepts themselves, the solutions themselves. And then as I always explain to them, the only difference is that I'm here, I'm your Google right now. I'll tell you what it is. But if you're mm-hmm. able to articulate it the way you did to me yeah. you do yeah. that the same in google or you do that to your colleagues and they are able to then get you the answers that that you actually need yeah so then it's so we use coaching in that sense to instead of instructing them what they need to know we blend it so that that is still going to be knowledge transfer i still have to tell them like new concepts or like what's a one-to-many relationship you know how the filter concept you know the filter context mm. works i have to do that but yeah. once you do that when you go back to those concepts how do you trigger recall how do you get people to talk it through themselves right so that's when all the coaching like techniques come in to then build around what has what has already been been shared with them
0: oh, Yeah, that's, that's beautiful and 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 yeah folks so uh, that's definitely kind of the idea with this class that you walk away with kind of actionable skills not this vague sense of yeah i learned something i mean i've heard that people going through classes um and and you know like yeah i didn't but not able to implement. Uh, that's wonderful. So, uh, so great. Let's uh, let's. Um, uh, so I love uh, kind of asking this question in the end, which is: so you talked about uh, you, you kind of were the data analyst, and now you're helping them. But I want to talk about the dis- different persona, which is somebody who's stuck in a nine-to-five job and as I was, and the challenge was that, you know, it, it, it didn't suck. Like it wasn't the worst thing ever. It was actually pretty good. And in a way, I was very thankful for my job. Of course, I'd come a long way being an immigrant and so forth, right? But there was a sense of kind of dis-ease, right? That you describe, where says, Can I said, "Yeah, just not that control. I mean, I don't have control of my morning, my day. And you, but you... You were almost too afraid to dream anything bigger or too afraid to ask for anything more, and in a way, maybe questioning that, do I even deserve that and all these fears that were getting in the way, so what would you say to that person given that you have kind of walked that journey and I'm sure walked through some of those fears
1: mm. mm, mm. Well, the quote that comes to mind was what my, uh, my my mentor and my ex boss said to me, right? Um, so so in Chinese there is like two ways of saying the word regret, right? Um, one is ihan, the other one is houhui. Okay, I have to explain the difference between the two, right? So the way he said it was this: um, you don't want to, you you will have um, many regrets in life. But you don't want to regret the stuff that you didn't do. So mm. the, there are two regrets in my sentence, right? But in Chinese, there are two different words altogether. Oh, that's so beautiful. It, yeah, you know the way he said it is like don't. Uh, you hope will, you will regret the stuff, some of the stuff that you do. You betray your world. You are human, right? Mm. Uh, but ihan, don't, don't regret the stuff that you didn't do, which yeah. you wanted to or you wish to or you hope for. So really, it's playing the longer game and asking yourself, right? Like you know, on my dying bed. I know it sounds really cliche. People talk about, mm-hmm. think about yourself on a dying bed. Who do you want to see around there? What would you have wanted to experience in life? But I think it's really true because at some point I was also very stuck. Um, I was like, this is great. I'm doing pretty well in my corporate role. But I think the question was, do I want to see this for the rest of my life? How would I feel when I'm in my 50s or my 60s or my 70s um, and never had stepped up to even do it? Right. So I think there is a very real sense of failure guys. Entrepreneurship is not for the faint hearted, -hearted. (laughs) but you know, there's this, then the rational side or logical side, you still need to plan for it. And if you have a house, you have a mortgage, you've got kids or whatever, plan it, right. What's the runway you have? What do you need? How, How much can you afford to fail and just do it anyway? Right. Because then even if you failed, that would have been a great story as well, a great life experience. Everything comes with a price, of course, uh, maybe if you fail and you go back to like a role, you will be at the same level. Or you might have a pay cut or whatever. But I think I think in life, not everything is just about the dollar value. Um, yeah. What does it mean in terms of experience? You know, as a as a life well lived. So I think I come from that angle, maybe a little bit idealistic. I don't know, but I think for me, um, no regrets at all for the path I've taken. I also know and I acknowledge I've been really lucky. I've got a lot of mentors i've got um we call it like people um or i don't know what's that word for that no people who help you along the way i've had that um and mm. i'm very very lucky as well to actually make it yeah it, it took quite a few years to know like yeah oh, yeah making it? am i not making it is this working am i doing it yeah. all wrong for like years i'll be like i should just go back to a corporate job right yeah yeah yeah
0: But yeah, I mean, this is, so it's funny, right? I mean, I use the word solopreneur and yes, sometimes I describe myself that way. But of course, the lesson I've learned is independent, but not alone. So yeah, I mean, definitely have those people around you who help you along the way. Uh, That's terrific. So Grace, you do, uh, it's this incredible online Power BI training and you do kind of career coaching as well. What's the best place that people can get a hold of you to reach you?
1: Well, the best place would definitely be the website, light.lab.com. Uh, you can see the name spelled, I think, just out, uh, past my name. Or you can just Perfect. check out. Uh, You can also look for me, I guess, on LinkedIn. Uh, look for light.lab. Or you can look for Grace Tail as well. I think it should come up uh, for Power BI. Yeah.
0: All right, first, make sure to do that. We'll see you in the next one. Take care and power on.